Psalm chapter 16 is a wonderful psalm and uh, we're going to dive into it. I did put in my email this week that uh, I'd just been to Russia's and uh, had a barbecue basket. Didn't get the big one, got the small one. And so had the junior one and so tried to be good, had that with a Diet Coke. I need a little bit more volume, just a little bit more. Uh, psalm 16, 1 through 11 is our text. And uh, this psalm is talking about you and I being satisfied. Now, I don't know about you, but it's hard to find people that are satisfied. Uh, hard to find people that are content. I heard about the old Chinese proverb that uh, they had a contest. They got all the kingdom together. And um, the king there got uh, his, uh, you know, counselors all together and sent them on a journey. He said, I want you to go find someone who is content. And when you find that person, I want you to cut off their shirt and bring it to me. And so they searched all through the land. They finally came back and one of the counselors said, we found one person that was content, but he didn't have a shirt on. You think about that. The guy that was content had absolutely nothing. And so Psalm chapter 16 really talks about you and I being satisfied. I mentioned in, in my email about going to Russia's and, and you know, I, I went there and, and ate. It was one of those rainy days. And I came back to my office. It's raining outside my window. I'm there and I mean... The demon of slumber invaded. I was saying, I said, Natalie, I got the heater on, my belly's full, it's raining outside, uh, I'm not long for this world. I was going out quick. Now, you and I know that we find our satisfaction not in things, but in a person. Uh, John Piper writes these words God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Think about that truth. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Now think about those wonderful, wonderful words. You know, the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians that he has learned to be content in all things. Uh, Paul was a rabbi and had the power of being on the Sanhedrin, all these different things, the Pharisee, the Pharisees. But yet Paul said, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am in. Now, I want to just read this wonderful psalm. And this has just ministered to me as I prepared this week. Psalm chapter 16. And we'll read the whole thing, verses 1 through 11. Preserve me, O God, for I take refuge in You. I said to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have no good besides You. As for the saints who are in the earth, they are the majestic ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who have bartered for another God will be multiplied. I shall not pour out their drink offerings of blood nor will I take their names upon my lips. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You support my lot. 
The lions have fallen to me in pleasant places. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. I will bless the Lord who has counseled me. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. I have set the Lord continually before me. Because He is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. What a wonderful psalm of contentment that is. Now, as I mentioned earlier, stuff never makes us content. I remember years ago when we didn't have all of these storage facilities. But have you noticed they are just popping up everywhere? And some of them look like a place I'd like to live. They're real, real fancy, you know, climate controlled and all that. Now, years ago, I don't think we collected as much as we do today. People have a lot of stuff, so much so that if they have a two-car garage, guess what? The car can't go in there <laughs> because it's full of stuff. Not only that, but they got some place rented down the road, a storage building and a storage place where they can put extra stuff. We are great collectors. We have stuff everywhere. Stuff never makes us happy. I love things that stand the test of time. I love things that are old that still work. I love people that are old and still work. <laughs> I do. When I was a junior in high school, I bought a pencil to mark my Bible up with. I still use that same pencil in my office every single week. I still got it. I love things that are old that still work. Stand the test of time. Now, this is just food for thought. They always try to improve on things. Now, let's take shaving for an example. One blade, two blades, three blades. Now it's up to five. They're going to make a razor soon. It's going to have ten blades on it. Have you noticed that? Mach 3, Fusion 5, on and on. Harry's, whatever you get. More blades, it, it's better. No, it's not better. It still whacks them whiskers off. I'm just glad for somebody that uses one, alright? <laughs> Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19 talks about you and I not storing up treasure on earth where moth and rust can, can, uh, can corrupt. In Acts chapter 3, verse 6, there's an interesting story in Acts chapter 3. Wes is going to preach from Acts 2, I think. And Acts chapter 3 happens right after Pentecost. In Acts chapter 3, uh, Peter and John are going to the temple. And they're going at the hour of prayer. They're walking up to the temple and there's a beggar there. And he looks up. 
And he's begging for money. He's begging for alms. And so Peter looks down and says, we ain't got any silver and gold. But then he says this, but what I do have is a name. I have the power of a name. If you got your Bible, look over there. Look at Acts chapter 3. This is so good. Acts chapter 3. Look at verse number 6. Acts chapter 3, verse 6. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, walk. Aren't you glad he didn't have any money? Because if he'd have had silver and gold, he'd have tossed some coins and went on, that guy would have still been lame. But then the Bible says that Peter reached down and grabbed him. I always want to laugh there as if he was worried the guy wouldn't stand up. Peter just gave him a yank. And then the Bible says in verse number 8, they began to leap, dance, stood upright, and he was healed. I want to tell you the most powerful thing we have in our lives is not what's in the bank account. It's not what's in the driveway. It's not what's on the mortgage. It's the power of the name of Jesus. There is power in that name. And so Psalms chapter 16, this psalm talks about the psalmist being satisfied with his relationship with the Lord. Now, it's full of confidence. I mean, I, I don't like someone to be arrogant, but I do want to be confident. And Psalm 16 is full of confidence. Verse number 1, the psalmist says, God is His refuge. That means His hiding place. When He's in trouble, He has a place to retreat to. In verse number 2, the psalmist says, You are my goodness. His goodness. And then in verses 5 and 6, the psalmist says, You are my inheritance. My inheritance. And then in verse number 7, the psalmist says, You are my counsel. His counselor. And then in verse number 11, You are my guide. My guide. You know, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, Revelation 1, 8 says, that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. That is, He is the A and the Z. That means He's everything in between. Whatever you need, whatever the letter is to the alphabet, He is all those things in your life. The A to the Z. Well, David, from this list of blessings, proclaims his confidence in God. So let's look at it today, alright? David is satisfied with his relationship. There are four aspects of this psalm that we need to look at. Number one, we ought to be satisfied because we have the protection of the Lord. The protection of the Lord. I don't know how many times I have praised the Lord that He has surrounded me with His protection. Day after day after day, maybe you have this experience. You drive down I-20, there's always a wreck. There's always an accident. There's always trouble on I-20. 
You know, malfunction junction, it's not just there, it's everywhere. My mom lives out in the Las Vegas, Nevada area. They have something out there called the spaghetti bowl. It's where roads just turn and twist and go all around the spaghetti bowl. You know, God has a way of surrounding us with His protection. God blesses us with that. I drive by a wreck and I say, thank God that wasn't me. Well, the psalmist here in verses 1-4 through looks back and he contrasts his life with the ungodly. In fact, verses 1-4 through reminds us of Psalm chapter 1 where there is a godly way and an ungodly way. The big difference is the relationship we have with the Lord. I want to tell you, the mark of God's people, there ought to be a powerful witness in our life where we don't have to speak, we don't have to shout our faith, we just live it. We just live our faith. Someone was talking about the political mess we're in. And uh, I tell you, that's, that's a big subject, but I do know this. I know, I know that the world seems to be flying apart. And I don't know where the world is going, but I know who's coming to the world. Amen? Amen. I know Jesus is coming again one day. And so you and I need to be a people of God with a visible faith until that day. Now, look at this. He talks about, about the wise man running to God. You find in verse number 1 the word preserve. The word preserve. That word means to keep one safe. In fact, the NIV translation translates it, keeping one safe. It means to watch over. To watch over. Maybe you remember this years ago, or y'all might do this. My mama had a preserving cooker. And she'd put green beans in there and she'd put different things in there and she'd preserve all these things. And she'd do that in the summertime, then come November, December, she'd you know, get those things out of the cabinet. We'd have fresh green beans, whatever. I know a lot. Anybody, anybody in here do that still? Anybody at all? Alright, I see some. Okay, great. My mom would make jelly. I remember... One time I'd climb a tree out there. We had a cherry tree. I'd climb that cherry tree and I'd sit there and eat those cherries. Mom would say, don't eat all those cherries. I'm going to make jelly. I'd get up there and I'd eat those cherries. Finally, I got up there and picked a bunch of them for Mama and she was boiling those cherries, cooking them, getting ready to make that, that jam, that jelly. And all of a sudden, we noticed a bunch of white things floating on top of the water. There were worms all through those cherries. <laughs> my, my mama said, we're taking you to the doctor to worm you. <laughs> now, now, listen to me. God does something similar, okay? I'm going to make this fit, okay? <laughs> kind of went around the block, but I'm going to get there. God preserves you and I. And He preserves us so that one day He can reach down and call us to be with Him. That may be in death. It may be at the second coming. But we are preserved by the power and the might and the authority of God. God preserves us. Now, 
Notice here in verse number 1, the psalmist says, David says, Preserve me, O God. And then he says, For I take refuge. They are personal pronouns. This guy's got faith. He knows what he's talking about. He's been down the road a few times. As Wendell Step would say, it ain't his first rodeo. He's been there. And so, there is a statement of personal faith here. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down. God is a personal God for His people. Now, in verse number 3, uh, I like this. Verse number 3, the psalmist talks about the saints, the people of God that surround Him. Verse number 3, he's talking about the brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm. He talks about having people that stand by Him, that encourage Him when things are rough. Lynn stands up here and mentions prayer requests so that we can pray for people and, and rejoice when there is healing. In fact, Walter over there was giving me a hard time. You know, we have a guest today from Texas. I'm from Oklahoma. And not even applauded for a Texan today, alright? <laughs> but you know, there, there's just a, a strength that we get from being surrounded with the people of God. And so the psalmist says, I'm delighted in the saints who are on the earth, the majestic ones. Uh, the old hymn, Blessed be the tie that binds. We are bound together. And then in verse number 4, notice this in verse 4. The unwise will run from God. Verse 4 says, The sorrows of those who have bartered for another God will be multiplied. I shall not pour out their drink offerings of blood, nor will I take their names upon my lips. The psalmist says, these are unwise, these are ungodly. I'm not even going to speak their name. I'm not going to get close to their offerings. There's a lesson in that for you and I. We may have a witness before lost people. And we may have a witness before a lost world, but they are not to be your close confidants. They are not. You surround yourself with people that love the Word, that, that love the house of God, that know how to pray. You find people that can support you. I was uh, preaching one time and I said, uh, you know, if you want someone to come and pray with you, invite the preacher. I said, invite me to come over. I had so many offers that week. I mean, fried chicken every... One lady said, I want you to come over for chicken. And so I walked in there and she said, I hope you don't mind, but I'm going to shake and bake. I wasn't quite sure what that was. I thought, Lord, here's an 80-year-old woman. She's going to shake and bake. I don't know what that is. Well, they had this stuff, you know, shake and bake. You kind of shook it on your chicken, throwed it in the oven, and cooked it in the oven. It was supposed to taste like fried chicken. It didn't. <laughs> fried chicken has grease on it. This didn't have any grease. But she was shaking and baking. I want to tell you, you surround yourself over the breakfast, over lunch, whatever. Get around the people of God. 
Alright, so we have the protection from the Lord. Alright, number two. I'm satisfied because we have the provisions of the Lord. The provisions of the Lord. And that's verses 5 and 6. Uh, the message of 5 and 6 is short and concise. But it speaks about God's provision. It says, The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You support my lot. The lions have fallen to me in pleasant places. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. Now, the psalmist does something here you need to notice. He says, the Lord is my portion. Not Little Caesars. Not Outback Steakhouse. Not Longhorn. He says, the Lord is my portion. He's saying that I am satisfied because I may not have a lot of things physically, but I've got the Lord in my life. I remember the, the sweetest time that Pam and I had in our lives was when I was going to college and we had absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. We lived in a place where the guy said, don't run the heater at night because the place may catch on fire. That's bad. We had a refrigerator that you had to change the water on every day. It would defrost and all of the vegetable bins down there would fill up with water so you'd have to take them out and throw the water out every day. The stove was another matter. I won't go into that. At night, slugs were all across the floor. You'd walk across the floor and step on a slug. That's an experience you don't want to have. The big treat was to have that Little Caesars, that $5 pizza. Man, that was a treat. I want to tell you something. It was the sweetest time that we had. We'd play cards all night. We had some friends, in fact, family that lived there. We'd play cards. And I remember one night, it was about 5 a.m., we were quitting and uh, played cards all night. And I said, listen, I got class at 7 a.m. you got to let me go. <laughs> Dead dog tired. But it was a sweet time. But the reason why, the Lord was my portion. The Lord was my portion. What shocks the world is when you and I are content, when you and I are satisfied, and we don't have anything but the Lord in our life. Man, listen, He's enough. He brings joy where the world can't understand that, that you shouldn't have any joy. Now, look at uh, Psalm chapter 27. Look over at chapter 27. Psalm 27. Look at verse number 4. Psalm 27. Look, look at verse number 4. The psalmist here says, One thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall see, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to meditate in His temple. The psalmist said, I, I just want to behold the beauty of the Lord. So, the Lord is our sustenance. Alright, He fills our cup. The Lord is our inheritance. He is beautiful in all that He does. God is a great provider. And you and I need to rest in His provision. Let me tell you about His provision though. It doesn't come on your time. It doesn't come on your schedule. It comes on His time. 
And His timing's perfect. Always perfect. Uh, Jesus never wore her watch, but He was always on time, wasn't He? Always on time. Alright, number three. I'm satisfied because we have the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord. That's verses 7 and 8. Look at verse 7. I will bless the Lord who has counseled me. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. And then verse 8. I have set the Lord continually before me. Because He is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Now, David meditates on the greatness and goodness of God. But he focuses here on what the presence of the Lord can do. Now when you're trying, now listen to me, when you're trying to share your faith with someone, when you're trying to tell them the difference that Jesus makes in your life, there are two things that stand out here. One is the Lord is your counselor. Your counselor. Verse number 7. He counseled me. We're living in a day and time where a lot of folks are going to counselors. And I'm not against that. I'm all for that. But I also want you to make sure that you're getting godly, good counsel. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden got some counsel. They got it from Satan. And it drove the world into insanity. And we've been there ever since. But in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says this about Jesus. He is a wonderful counselor. A wonderful counselor. Some have interpreted that as saying, well, he's wonderful. He's a, no, he's a wonderful counselor. Man, we get counsel from the Lord. It's always wonderful. When you and I read the Word of God and get counsel from His Word, Isaiah 9.6 says it is wonderful counsel. Now, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. Well, the second thing that we have from the Lord's presence is comfort. Uh, Verse number 8, I have set the Lord continually before me. Because He's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Think about those last words of verse 8. I will not be shaken. David puts on his no fear t-shirt. I will not be shaken. Sometimes I'll wear a First Baptist Church polo or t-shirt and and someone always comment on, I've got one that's real bright glowing orange. It was buried in the bottom of a filing cabinet when I came. No one wanted to wear it. They said that thing looks like it's living. It's so bright. (laughs) Plus all the Clemson fans love it, you know. But I want to tell you something. When you put on the No Fear t-shirt, when you put that on spiritually and you say, the Lord is the one that causes me to not be shaken. Man, we got a world in fear. We just think we get a handle on things and there's a new virus popping up. I was kidding with someone that went on the Israel trip. I know Angela's up there and 
others the stories that went to Israel and I told them, I said, well, you know, Wes is sick and had the flu this week. And so we're locking everybody up for 14 days. <laughs> oh, we wouldn't do that to you, Angela. We wouldn't do that. Oh, listen, we live in a dangerous world. But the Bible says we shouldn't fear because the Lord will not allow us to be shaken. Not allow us to be shaken. All right, I've got to move on, okay? Now, this is the fourth and last thing. Um, we ought to be satisfied because we have the promises of the Lord. And that's verses 9 through 11. Uh, let me just read those, okay? 9 through 11. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. Now, there are three promises right here I want you to look at. Number one, we have His peace. His peace. That's verse number nine. My flesh also will dwell securely. We have His peace. His peace. Philippians 4, 7 talks about that peace. Now, if you got your Bible, look there real quick with me to Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. Such a great chapter. Philippians chapter 4. Let me just read that to you. Verse number 7. Philippians 4, 7 says this, And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we have that wonderful peace in our life. Well, second promise here is that we have the power of God. Verse number 10, really verse number 9 and 10 kind of go together, but verse number 10, there's the promise of God's power to save. Now, there on your outline, and, and Lynn, since you're right there in front of me, if you would read, I gave you the Message Bible, if you would read 9 and 10, they're together there, read verses 9 and 10 from the Message Bible. I'm happy from the inside out and from the outside in. I'm firmly formed. You canceled my ticket to hell. That's not my destination. Oh, I love that you canceled my ticket to hell. <laughs> That's not my destination. That's really what verses 9 and 10 are saying. Eugene Peterson's commentary on those verses is so right that God has canceled our ticket to hell through Jesus Christ. In fact, it speaks of us, but also speaks of Christ there in verse number 10. First um, John chapter 3, verse 2 says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him, because we will see Him just as He is. Alright, so there's the promise of His peace, the promise of His power, but then the third promise is the promise of His presence. And that's verse number 11. Verse 11 talks about God making known the path of life. And then it says, In your presence is fullness of joy. 
And then it talks about the right hand of God. That's the hand of power. It says in your right hand there are pleasures forever. We have His presence. Do you remember when the children of Israel were going across the wilderness? During that time, they were led by the cloud and the pillar of fire. It was the very presence of God. It was the Shekinah glory of God that led them. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 24 says, The path of life leads upward for the wise, that he may keep away from Sheol, or the place of the dead below. God always leads His people upward and higher. Well, the question is, are you satisfied today? Are you content today? Are you satisfied with your relationship with Jesus? I tell you, what a friend. What a blessing to have Him in your life. B.B. McKinney, years ago, wrote the hymn, Satisfied with Jesus. And the first verse says, I am satisfied with Jesus. He has done so much for me. He has suffered to redeem me. He has died to set me free. Listen to the chorus. I am satisfied. I am satisfied. I am satisfied with Jesus. But the question comes to me as I think of Calvary. Is the Master satisfied with me? Oh, what a question. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this beautiful and wonderful song today. God, may we find our satisfaction, our joy in You. And God, bless us now as we go to worship You, God, because You're so worthy of all of our worship. And we pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen and amen.